The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 166 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. I'm your host, Sean Rapier. Thank you so much for checking in with us again this week. We really appreciate it. Uh, Before we get into this week's episode, we do want to thank a new reviewer on Apple Podcasts. Uh, The review is a five-star review that simply says, My Favorite Podcast as the title, and we sure appreciate it. Uh, The listener name is S.J. F98, thank you so much for your five-star review and your kind words. Uh, This week, wow, what a story you are about to hear. My guest, Anna Katya, tells us the story of finding her birth mother, and it is riveting. I was, you'll hear I'm crying through part of it, but uh, I was so fascinated. I've known Anna for a few years. She is just a tremendous soul, and it's a beautiful story. And uh, coming up this week in my Latter-day life, I'll tell you the story of finding a family member of my own. It's all coming up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And today, right here in the Latter-day Live studios, I am very grateful to have an old friend I haven't seen for a couple of years uh, with such an amazing story, Anna Katya. Welcome to the show. Just so good to be here. I am so happy to see you. It's probably been two, two and a half years since we've seen each other, so super happy. Last time was actually here in my house. Yes. (laughs) So it's really, really good to see you. You have such an amazing story, and we're going to spend a lot of time focused on a two-week period in your life. But first of all, let's get to know you a little bit. Tell us a little bit about your younger years. Younger years were, for me, a new language, new food, new country, a lot of new things. Tell us where you were born. I was born in Costa Rica. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How much do you remember from Costa Rica? That's actually a very famous question I often get. (laughs) And I remember almost nothing. Mm. So yes, I am not able to uh, expound very well on that question. (laughs) Yeah, sure. No, that makes sense. Coming over when you're three. Mm -hmm. So at three years old, uh, you come over to the US. And uh, what was that experience? It was really different. I think at age three, you're more accepting, you're young, you're kind of just believing and, and trusting. And so, you know, um, my family loved me and they were a good family and I just came to a new place and they made it comfortable for me. I think, though, with time that changed over time, but um, just being young and innocent, it was it, it was enjoyable. So where did you grow up? I grew up in Provo, Utah. Provo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big Provo. <laughs> I did. That's a big change. Yes. That's for sure. <laughs> Very different. So tell us a little bit about uh, just about your family growing up. So growing up, I had a family. I have a family of eight, five brothers and two younger sisters. Wow. Big family. Yes. It was busy. And yeah, you everyone did everything together at the same time. Everyone did things on their own. <laughs> so, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a family. <laughs> what was what was your uh, what were your hobbies and what was your passion? I got into gymnastics. So I was a gymnast and I thought, yeah, one day I'm going to be an Olympian. But 
But yeah, I just really loved gymnastics. I loved music. I loved reading, writing. Did you did you know about your your history? Did you know what happened and why you were adopted and all of that? You know, my parents were super open about it. Um, any information, letters or anything that we received, uh, especially from the orphanage, was sent. Uh, I think my younger years, I didn't really realize there was some letters coming, but um, we were read them. And if I ever had questions, I could always go to my parents. But there was very, very little information, yeah. very little information. So let's talk about what you did know. You were in an orphanage. Um, and then adopted out of the orphanage? Was that through a program of some sort? Yes, so that's correct. I was in an orphanage and then adopted through uh, New Opportunities at the time. That was an agency that my parents had gone through. Um, Yeah, and then they came to Costa Rica to kind of take that look there at some orphanages, and that's where they ended up at ours and Mm. had found us. Were you really inquisitive about it? Were you just sort of accepting of the situation? How did you feel? I felt like I was really accepting of it. And I had, I always had questions. I just let it flow. Like if I had questions, I just go ask. Like mm. I didn't hesitate. But when I got answers, that's where some struggles would come. I think I was a lot quieter and kept to myself or reserved, kind of stuffed it down when it came to that. But mm. I wanted to know everything. But the answers I don't think were always the easiest for me when it the information came back. So. so how were you getting answers? How were you finding out? Because this is a big part of your story is kind of piecing together, you know, your life and your family and everything else. How were you getting answers? So, like, for instance, I mentioned before, I guess I was able to get some answers from my parents. And then um, we had some papers just with the letters and different things that I could just pull from and, and just think about, okay, so there's the lady or mama of the orphanage, and I had her name, Norma Espinosa. I was being taken care of by someone. Um, my parents could tell me the orphanage was a good orphanage and clean and, and different things. But also, because I had little information, I actually would go to our uh, old encyclopedias, and I'd look up Costa Rica, because back then, I mean, wasn't was there even internet back then? Yeah, probably not. No, I'm guessing. I don't know so, how old you are, Anna, and I'm not going to ask. So, but I know that in my childhood, we had the new book of knowledge encyclopedias. And yeah, you'd get down the big encyclopedia book. So you'd just look up Costa Rica to learn whatever you could. Oh, yeah, whatever I possibly could. Um, I wouldn't, we went to the library, but I don't know. I guess I just didn't think that far but i i know i had grabbed a number of times the encyclopedia for costa rica just anything i could learn about it because there just wasn't a ton of yeah. information i was getting and and you were raised in the church your family was were members of the church yes my family were members i was baptized at eight so later yeah. on yes were you into church during your your formative years your growing up years i absolutely was i really was like just a faith believer like i just I just believed. I just knew that there was something good and that I wanted something good. I believed in something good. And I just thought that that's how life ran. I was always optimistic and positive. Um, Mm. But that didn't mean that things were always easy. It just meant that I understood life that way. So, yeah. So being friends and being friends on social media, positivity is like a big, (laughs) big thing for you. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're, you're always sharing positivity. Is that something that comes naturally to you? That's a good question. <laughs> um, no, that's, again, just natural. It's just something mm. that 
I have actually had in the last couple of years is surprise me because I want to go to the more negative. I mean, everyone has their hard days, right? Of I course. mean, it doesn't mean that I don't have my hard days or that I don't have, I don't cry or anything. You know, at the end of the day, I just end up choosing something that's positive because I know it's going to bring me something better. Mm, beautiful. So you finish up high school in, in big Provo. Which <laughs> I lived in Provo for a while. I love no. Provo. Provo is one of my favorite cities. I love that place. But you you finish up high school. What came next? Going through high school, I decided that I was going to move out. I thought the big thing, you know, when you're 18, move out, be an adult. I thought it was super exciting. Um, but through my years beforehand, I had really had major questions come that would reflect my uh, my well, me being curious about what is my identity, like where was I from, and and because I had come to a new country, why was I here? And why did all these things happen? Like mm. with being adopted and, and and why was I given up or adopted? You know, I was just um, trying to understand. I wanted answers. So I was always wondering that up to, uh, up until my, yeah, my high school years. But my number one question, which came in every birthday, um, was actually when I would blow my birthday cake out and I would make a wish. Mm. And <laughs> that wish would um, would always be uh, wishing to fly home. But no one would know about that wish. It would be mm. a, a secret wish, something that was very tender to me, that I did want to fly home. I wanted to find my birth mother. And that was a wish that I had made every year. It did die off my confidence in it because it took so many years of wishing this dream um, and praying for it daily, all the time. Um, I did give up at a certain point, um, probably just before my senior year. A lot of hard things had happened. You know, family's not perfect, life's not perfect. And so I kind of took that away. Did you not share that because you worried about what people would say, or did you not share it? Why, why did you not want to share that hope? Not getting answers started to form insecurity mm. and form uh, also the idea of just trying to struggle with my identity. And so um, I wanted to keep it to myself because what if I found out something that I didn't want to hear, didn't uh, yeah. want to know? And the biggest thing was I never wanted to have people know my dream because what if it never happened? And what if I was denied by my birth mother? So I, I just had, I had other questions that other people didn't know about mm. why I'd rather had been just remain silent in my wish. Totally, totally makes sense. So you're all excited. You're graduated. You're an adult. You're ready to move out. <laughs> what happened? Well, I was quite like habitual. I loved my days to have a plan and everything. So moving out and getting to college was always like, wake up early in the morning, got to get the gym workout in, right? Mm. And then get to get to work and come home, grab something to eat and go off with friends. Like mm. it was just the daily. I had done that for, I don't know, a period of time, maybe under a year or so. And then um, just going to the mailbox and getting my mail always was part of that after uh, right before I'd go to the gym. So I found myself at the mailbox. And that's where I had uh, run into someone at the mailbox that actually had called out to me. And he was just yelling from like across the grass, like he was just like, hey, 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 you over there. And I was like, who is this guy? You know, I'm out on my own in these apartments in Orem. He's calling out and I turned around. He's around my age. And he had quickly come up to me and introduced himself. And and he basically had explained that 
he was Costa Rican. And so he asked me quickly, are you Tika? And Tika is kind mm. of that nickname we have in Costa Rica. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> and I'm like, what's Tika? And he's like, are you Costa Rican? And I'm like, <laughs> I am. <laughs> you know, and I had never met a Costa Rican. So I was just like staring at him like, you are? <laughs> like, I was just like, wow, this is interesting. It probably looked like a dork, but <laughs> but he was Love really it. fun and big smile and just a really, really nice guy. So what role did he play in your life? When I met Wade, he had gone on about who he was and he was from Ormond and adopted himself. Mm. And then he offered, actually, because I needed to get going. Um, and I, I was like, oh, I got to go because I have work too after the gym. But he said, okay, well, then let's just um, get together and we'll do um, some, I'll show you some pictures of Costa Rica. Um, and I'm like, oh, yeah, because, you know, and I'm like, that'd be awesome. He's like, I've been back. I've been back to the country and and he served a mission there and, and everything. Mm. So I was excited. So we planned to go to my adopted mother's house, uh, to my adopted parents' house, and then uh, look at the pictures there. So did this start to feel like, hey, maybe this is an answer to prayers? <laughs> or was it just a casual acquaintance? That is the most perfect question, seriously. Literally, after I met this guy, I remember getting in my car, I'm driving, and I just get the strong sense. Why am I wanting to return back to my country? And why mm. am I thinking about my birth mother again? Yeah. Because I really had shoved that down mm. for a long time. And, you know, the last few years of my life. And just meeting him was like, oh, there's something... That was just gnawing at me all I'm day. Sure. So yeah, there was definitely something. Well, you're meeting someone from Costa Rica who is adopted, <laughs> just like you, but you have this dream of going back to Costa Rica and he's been, it kind of opens the door like, hey, this is very possible. This isn't as far off as you may think. So what was the next uh, step in that journey? We kept in contact. We built just a good friendship. We were... Um, contacting each other back and forth and we got to you know the, the the idea you know the appointment just to go over so we went over to my parents house and um and then we looked through some pictures that he had well he was showing me and I was so excited because I did find that my country was really beautiful and mm-hmm. and the people and and just the colorful homes really colorful homes and what was really interesting to me was the which I'm sure many have seen, but I had never seen bars, the iron bars on the windows. And Mm. I was like, what's that about? (laughs) Like, are they all in jail or something? Like, do they have to stay inside? It was really weird to me to see these iron bars on the windows. Yeah. (laughs) Did it feel like you were seeing puzzle pieces of, of of your backstory, of your history? No, see, nothing would be a reminder. Nothing would click. Nothing would come back. And that's where... I was concerned myself. Mm. This is where the struggle came actually later, even in the last few years of people asking me, do you remember anything? That's why that question is so big is because no, nothing would be triggered. But I would have dreams that would last, you know, 10, 12 years. Um, I'd have one dream of trying to find my home and it would be scrabbled. And I'm walking home from school, from elementary school. I'm trying to find my home and all the homes are scrabbled up. Like I can't find it. It's Mm. like someone just... You know, like musical chairs? It's almost like they played musical houses (laughs) on me. And it was like a nightmare. Like, I laugh about it now, but it was was seriously a nightmare. I just wake up sweating and for just years and years, I just could not Mm. find my home. And where else was I going to go from school? You know, it was, yeah. But I would have uh, a number of dreams. When did you start really thinking, hey, I I can go back? 
as uh, Wade and I were sitting there and looking at the pictures, I had the grand idea to go get my baby book and show him my pictures of my adopted family. Um, at the time, it was just my adopted mom there. So I'm like, and a lot of siblings had moved out. So I grabbed it and then he he looked at it and and he stopped on a page, looked at a picture and he points at it and I'm like, what's going on? And he then says, what are my adopted parents doing in your baby book? No way. I am not kidding no you. No way. I am not kidding you. In your baby book. In my baby His book. His adopted parents were in your baby book in a photo. In a photo. Anna, that's crazy. It's crazy. This guy's sitting next to me that I had just met. And I, okay, oh Sean, gosh. you have to, uh, this is what's amazing. I had just found out at that moment on the couch too. I looked at him. I said, you lived at the apartments, right? <laughs> He's just like, I don't even live there. I don't even live there. That's my friend's apartment that I just go and I go visit every once in a while. Oh my and I'm like, gosh. wait, so we just like crossed and <laughs> you're at my house and your parents are in my baby book. Well, we look closer and he's like, yeah, but my parents are holding a baby in their hands. And that's not my, that's not one of my siblings. And I'm like, I'm looking at my adopted mom. I'm like, what's going on? (laughs) And she's looking at us like, wait, what is going on? So she asked him, what are your parents' names and where were you adopted from? Well, we find out right away, he was adopted from the same agency as I was, New Opportunities. No way. They are dang good friends. They had worked together and collaborated. They had been on adoptions. They helped her. And Wait, so your his adopted parents and your adopted parents were good friends. Yes, they knew each other through new opportunities. All right, that is absolutely <laughs> nuts. That is so crazy. <laughs> and here he just happened to see you and called out to you. Oh, just on the grass, randomly just taken off from the apartments to be on his way. Wow. Anna, that is amazing. All right, so where does this... I feel like we're putting this puzzle together. I love it. I love it. So what's the next piece? Yes, so uh, we're, we're sitting there, and um, we, we are not related, okay? So we quickly debunked that. But my adopted mother had just said that the child in his, um, in his adopted mother's arms was my little sister that they had helped get here. And then Wade said, oh, I remember my mom helping with an adoption. So his mom was the person that brought my little sister. Mm. Um, and that's what we had taken from that. But thankfully, yeah, we weren't related. <laughs> but um, it actually was only a couple weeks later that I was at work. We had kept our friendship. And I got a phone call while I was on the job. And, uh, and it was close to my lunch break. So they said, oh, you can just take the phone call in the break room, right? So I'm like, okay, I just worked at a call center. And so I'm like, I went to the break room and I picked up the phone. And I hear wade's voice and i'm like hello and, and he's just like hey hey how's it going he's like always energetic <laughs> like super energetic and i'm like it's good i'm at work and um and he's like so i have some good news we're going back to costa rica and i'm like wait what <laughs> oh my gosh and i'm gonna help you find your birth mother and i'm like and what <laughs> And we're going to leave in like two days. I'm like, what? Wait, now I got to say what? What? We're going to go to Costa Rica in two days? It was only a few days. What was that Just a few days. Wow. Well, there was a sale (laughs) and they're getting flights and they want to go. And it was literally, you know, his friends are like, 
you know, they're just doing their thing. Guys are all single and they're just like, yeah, we should take a trip. Hey, let's go back. You know, it's his mission buddies. So they just on a whim, like we're going back. So you're, you can come or not. <laughs> and I was like, uh, so Wade sat on the phone and he's like, no, seriously, you've got to decide. And I'm like, well, I need to talk to my mom or uh, myself <laughs> about yeah. this decision. It's 18 years later. I don't know. And I got really nervous. Mm. I buckled up, I freaked out inside, and I just turned around and pretty much just shut down and said, hey, well, thank you, thanks for calling, and I'll think about it, and and that was really hard. I didn't realize that was coming, but the opportunity was in the moment, and it scared the living heck out of me. Yeah, of course it did. You've spent mm-hmm. 18 years thinking about it, dreaming about it. It's, <laughs> it's like something you built up that big. Mm-hmm. And then, hey, not only now it's going to happen, it's going to happen in two days. <laughs> Anna, that's crazy. That's big. Of course you were scared. I mean, don't mark me on the two days. I might be wrong there. I know it was a few days, though. It was pretty fast. Regardless. Yeah. I mean, coming it was up fast. whenever. It's fast. Too fast. I, I went home and I, I actually called my adopted mom immediately. And I just told her, like, you're never going to believe it. Um, he served in Costa Rica, so he knew Spanish, and I had done horrible in Spanish class when I was younger. That actually was a huge insecurity. I actually thought I had lost my whole dream of even going back because I couldn't even speak my own language, uh, which was really hard for me. So I was pretty excited to be like, okay, so he speaks Spanish. He could help, and you know, he's been back, and he knows the area. I got off the phone with my adopted mom. I called Wade up, and he's like, what's going on? Are you coming? Yes, yes, I'm going to come. I'm going to come. <laughs> I'm going to do it, wow. you know. So 18 years later, that was that was the decision, and we were ready. How scared were you to go? On a scale from 1 to 10? Yeah, scale of <laughs> 1 to 10. A 22? <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. You know, even if you're getting your answers, like, oh, my gosh, like, what do you even do with those? And, and when I, when I, if I meet her, meet my birth mother, like, what am I even going to do with that? You know, and I had imagined certain things, you know, like just her living circumstances. Um, I hadn't gone so that she, she would be in these huge, amazing circumstances, that nice um, material things or anything. But um, the question was, was she even still alive? Mm, yeah. No one's gone back. No one's searched. No one's done anything. Like I was adopted from an orphanage, brought to America, and that's it. That well, end. <laughs> did you have anything with you when you went? Did you have a photo? Did you have a names? What 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 tools were in your toolkit when you went? So the tools that we had at this point when we returned would be the name of the mama from the orphanage, which was Norma Espinosa. There was a couple volunteers in the orphanage, uh, and then we had the name of the orphanage. And um, Ogar Infantel, and then we had the um, name of my birth mother. Oh, you did? Okay. Just her name. Yeah, Flor Mena Hidalgo. And that's it. You know, I mean, it, we, we didn't even have the city. I don't even know what city I was you last didn't know born what in. City. So I'm taking a whole country of how many cities and any, mini miny, mo. Where was the orphanage? What city was that in? I believe that was in San Jose. Okay. So you get on the plane. You fly. You're in Costa Rica. You step off that plane. I'm dying to know now. What came next? <laughs> um, it had been really dark 
the night before when we arrived. So I woke up that morning and looked outside and I was just, wow. I was like, I'm here. You know, I'm, I'm in my country. This is for real. Um, so the first thing we did was we hopped on the phone and we started um, calling uh, people to find this Norma Espinosa because she would have the information. So yes, we could find the orphanage, but she actually was the key to getting mm. the information. Possibly the next goal was the records because we're realizing now if we do not have the city, we can't go anywhere Yeah, and we have no city. So we need to figure out what was the last city that I was in. It was like detective work. <laughs> what was the last city I was in and go from there. What, which part did you track down first? Was it the, the mamita or the mama at the, at the orphanage? Mm-hmm. Is that who you found first? Yeah. So tracking down the mama of the orphanage, we called, we got her name, and then we finally found a secretary that answered and said, yes, she's here. Um, it was actually a young mother's high that she now was over. She's a uh, social worker. And because Ooh. 18 years had passed, she actually was very, very high in her uh, in, in, in her career and many people. Like she was like one of the main um, people in her country. Um, so she knew like the top lawyers. She knew the governments, everything um, that worked in social work and family. And uh, so it was really important at this point. The only downfall was she was so busy. So we asked for an appointment because the secretary said you have to have an appointment to even see her. And so we were like, are you serious? Like he was telling Wade was trying to tell her, well, I have one of literally like one of her orphans, <laughs> like one yeah. of her kids here. Yeah. Uh, can she just show kind up? <laughs> kind of a big deal here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, the secretary didn't care. She was mean. <laughs> she didn't care. She's like, you need an appointment. And our appointment was six weeks out. Oh, no, no, no. Yes, we're already in the country, and we're already like twelve or two days in. So we yeah. were like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> we had had you already days. booked your ticket back for two? Did you know you were going to be there for two weeks? Yes, we knew we were only there fourteen days, and it was already booked. We would return back mm. so at six the end of the weeks. trip. Not a chance. That's not going to work. Yeah, not going to work. So Wade turned to me and said, "Well, guess what? We're going to do. We're going to show up." <laughs> We're just going to drive down there. And I already I like got the Wade, address. By the way, I really like Wade. The more I hear about Wade, the more I like Wade. <laughs> We're just going to show up. And uh, I said, okay, you know, um, every time we made a decision or just did something, um, at least for me, I just was always praying. I started that morning with a prayer. Uh, we were going to get in the car and I started praying my head off. I mean, there really wasn't a ton I could do. I didn't even speak the language. And so I just exercised my faith and prayed. And I knew. I just knew the moment that I had gotten off the airplane that that was always going to be enough. So you show up. Hey, we're here. Yeah, we show up and the secretary's there and she's just, she's not happy. And so he keeps her and just busy and distracts her. And (laughs) I go and sit on uh, a couch and, uh, and from the couch, you can see a back window. So the whole wall is glass. Mm. And then if you look further down from the window, there's like a backyard, like a, you know, the back of the building, and you can see a glass building. And in the glass building, there are people inside a meeting house. So you can see a number of people sitting around a table, and then you can see a woman at the head of the table. So I'm in visual, but I'm still far away where I can't see faces. Yeah. So I'm just sitting there, and I kind of just get this nudge that something's going on. And then I start hearing some voices, and I'm like, what's going on? And I can start hearing it from this meeting house, this glass meeting house I can see from within. And all of a sudden, I see all these people stand up. 
I see this woman stand up, turn around and walk out. And you hear just this like frustration, like just these voices going back and forth. And I'm like, what's going on? So I, Wade was keeping the secretary busy. So I was like, I'm going to sneak out of here. So I snuck out and, and I'd all I had to do is really turn left and it would have me go down a hall. Mm. What I didn't know is that hall was connected to the meeting house, just straight. like Oh, right in. Right, right in. So the, the woman that had left the meeting house would be turning into the hall as well at the same time yeah so as i turned and went down the hall she turned and went down the hall and then i would get her in my view sight and my whole body would go completely warm from the tip of my head down to my toes wow and i would look at her and i would know that's my mama from the orphanage that's her and i just i broke down and cried and she saw me and she looked at me back and she called out my full name. Wait, what? Called out my full name. Had the secretary told her you were there? I would... No one had told her that I was there. She said she had a feeling. She was in a meeting. And she said, I knew I had to leave the meeting. And I got up and I left. That's Anna, my that is amazing. <laughs> that is extraordinary. <laughs> so she calls out your name. You're sitting there crying. Yeah, I'm just standing in the hall, in the middle of the hall. And she's coming towards me and just saying my name and she's just in shock like i mean 18 years later we didn't give a heads up nothing she's just like oh my gosh and all she can say is you look the same you look the same (laughs) (laughs) well thank you (laughs) (laughs) oh anna that's so beautiful (laughs) and just like that a big big piece of this puzzle Mm -hmm. boom so that takes us to the couch just to talk a bit. Um, that went on for a while, but she did do some. She did offer something because she was honest and said, "You know, I don't have a lot on your birth mother, but I do have a card I can give you." And because I know people in the government, state buildings, you can go over there and have you know hopefully that opportunity to get your records. And because they know me, hopefully there's a winning chance, right, that you can you can get them. Mm. We hadn't brought in any. We didn't bring any papers like proof we didn't bring we didn't have any we didn't, you know usually when you go get your records or something you have to have you know license or this or that i mean yeah. we just didn't have anything to prove that this was my birth mother <laughs> right yeah. so um she just said you know show up and present the card and just tell them this name and it's the, the lawyer slash like social worker slash you know she did a number of things and she and the records person she'll help you if she wants to <laughs> So we show up to the building and we go for it and we decide, yeah. So we say goodbye to her and later that, um, I think the next day, uh, it was pretty exhausting for me. I had to sleep a lot on that trip to recover from things. Um, but yeah, the next day we went back and uh, we saw, we, we we walked in, met another secretary. Mm. <laughs> she was not happy either. Boy, you were <laughs> running into bad luck with secretaries. <laughs> Uh, her first question was, do you have an appointment? No, we don't. And what are you going to say? And she said, well, she's about six weeks out. <laughs> Wade looked yeah. at me and said, we know how this goes. So You know the drill. Yeah, we know the drill. So he, he told her again, and the secretary got mad again. And she just gave us big, yucky face. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> so we love it uh again uh that's for me uh the time to pray in my mind and heart i prayed and 
And Wade was like, and we're going to go. And I'm like, because that's what you always choose. So let's go. So we took the card and the lady said, well, fine, you could go. I will warn you, she's on her lunch break. So you're interrupting her lunch break. Mm. So we had some heads up that this is not someone you interrupt on their lunch break. We made our way down the hall. We were able to find the office and the door was kind of propped open. So we went inside and saw her. She's just busy, busy. Um, and then she looked at us and she's like, oh, hello. Like, what What can I do for you? And Wade went to her and told her everything. And then she just looked at us and said, I'm on my lunch break. <laughs> <laughs> do you have an appointment? <laughs> yeah. Back to the appointment. If one more person asks us if we have an appointment. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. No, we don't have an appointment. Uh, Wade had to say it and he was scared because she was not happy. Actually, she said, I'm going to lunch right now. She got up and she left and then we turned down the hall. And I I was really down. Um, I, I Really, you can't do anything from that point. You don't have the city. You just enjoy the rest of your trip. Mm. So I was pretty down. And then next thing I knew... I could hear her voice going, hold on, hold on, come here, you guys. And she looks at us and she stops and she stares at me Mm. and she looks in my eyes and she says, you need your records. You need them now. I'm supposed to help you and you are not leaving until you have them in your hands. You follow me now. Oh my gosh, Anna. (laughs) That is amazing. Lady on a lunch break does this. <laughs> yeah. She take us, takes us back that minute. We follow her steps all the way up the stairs to the records office, and she just presents us to uh, this great tall guy, really nice guy, and says, you know, he will help you with your records. You can go from there. We said, okay. When you were handed your records, what was that? Was it a folder? Was it What was it? Uh, so he had a little ledge, just to give you an idea. There's a wooden ledge, and he just had propped them right on there so we could see. And when he opened them up, uh, one of the first pages, he wanted to point out some things just to make sure that I knew that they were my records and confirm mm. with him. Um, again, we didn't show him any proof or evidence. It was literally by this lady saying the go-ahead. And he said, okay, so are these your signatures of your adopted parents? And there were the signatures. I looked down. First time in my life. My brain, like, just woke up. It, like, does the switch. I always, I had, I hadn't realized, I had accepted that I was the the Anna from America, that I was, you know, this new life. And no, I was this little girl that was Mm -hmm. adopted from my country. This was my country. I was standing in my country at my home. Right. I just had been brought to another home. My Mm. mind just flipped on that. It just was incredible. We, he handed us the, the, the records, and he then um, was about to give it to us, and he had asked me what my, because he had to confirm what the name of my birth, or yeah, birth mother was, and I told him it was Flora Mena Hidalgo, and he um, had said, well, these papers say Flora, and I was like, wait, what? And, and so we were like, wait, what's going on? And he said, well, you have a letter off, and it's, this, you know, between Florida and Florida, those are different. And so do you have papers? Do you have evidence? Do you have something that can show her name? Do you have a certificate that you brought from America? And Wade and I looked at each other. We said, we brought nothing. Yeah. And he's like, can you fax it? Can you call someone? We're like, 
No, literally, not even my adopted parents have any papers. And so... I'm sorry, Flora versus Flora. And you got the rest of the name right. And he still hung up? Oh, yeah. This is the records office. So if you don't have the exact name, Uh, if you can't prove it... I'm sorry, that's so crazy. He looks at me because he's like, you guys brought nothing... I was not happy. I went and sat down by the wall. I was crying. I prayed and prayed. We had already been looking for like two hours. It took him a while to get those records. And then um, he's like, I'm sorry. Like, you can come back. You can come back to Costa Rica. I'm like, what? I'm not flying back home to come all the way back. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I'm sorry. And so I sat there and he's like, let me just see what I can do. I'll keep looking for, I don't know, maybe some kind of evidence or something. And Wade's like, come here, come here. And he uh, motions for me to come back. And so I'm like, okay. And this man then flips the next few pages of my record file. And he said, come here, you guys. I need to show you something. See this, what I have? And he starts pulling out this tiny little piece of paper. It's probably half the size of a three by five card. Mm. And then he goes on to say, this is called the intake paper. This is the initial small little piece of paper that we fill out before we make the record. He's saying, you're, you're saying her name's Flor. And the record's saying Flora. And you have no evidence to prove. And he lifts the little paper up. And he says, read the paper. Like, okay. So I read the little intake paper. It says Flor. Mm. It proves that the person that had made the record, that name was recorded. Because of this little paper, only because of this little paper, which we throw away every time. There's, there's, this should not be in your file. He said, you are able to have your records. Amazing. I will go print one right now. And you were able to take those with you? Yes, I was able to take them with me. They're really big, long, bound. Yeah, and then we got home. Um, we read through them, which was very necessary, which we didn't know would be necessary. But we read through them, and then we got some uh, – uh, we turned some pages, and we realized that – we have the full story of what happened when I was taken from the mountain, we find out. I'm on top of a mountain, and my city is San Vito, which is a city right above Panama, the mm. country of Panama. And I am found in a shack, and the state has rec- rec- has recorded word for word how they came and found me and this my siblings. This is all in the record. This is all the in the record. The story. I am now getting the full story before the orphanage. We were on the mountain. We were in San Vito, and our home was on top of a mountain. Oh, okay. And there was a shack, and we lived in the shack. So that would be my brother and my sister, who were also adopted with me. Yeah, but with without your mom there. Uh, yes. Without my mom at the time was not there. She was in the papers marked a wanderer, which meant that she would wander the streets and she would leave for months at a time. It would also record that she would not come back for months at a time and that she would not feed us. She would not clothe us. She would not take care of us. She, we didn't see people. There was no hospitals. There was no schools. There was nothing around us. We literally were in the middle of the mountains sitting on the dirt. Um, my sister was still in the hospital. She was young in hospital. Um, but my brother and I were there when the state came and got us. And that's, that was our conditions. They had in the papers uh, had titled it abandonment and number of times abandoned. abandoned. And so the um, someone that knew her had called the state on her. And mm. that's when the state came in and took us away 
and got me to a nutritional um, uh, department <clears throat> because I had third grade male nutrition, fourth grade being death. And they said she won't make it if she doesn't go to the nutritional uh, department first before the orphanage. So I got there, stayed there for a while, and then I was able to go to the orphanage. <clears throat> Anna, wow. Emotionally, <laughs> how was it reading all this and learning all this? Wow, it was, oh, it was, it was, it was every feeling. <laughs> it was exhausting too. It was just it was frustration, but sad, but happy that I'm seeing this, the name of the city. And, and I just I was shocked. I was so shocked. I, it was almost like a movie. Like it was like fake. Like is this because they had written every detail, how to get to it, how to, what the mountain looked like how what the shack looked like what was inside the shack it just felt like a movie like was this my life was this, this really sounds like a movie it, even yeah. you telling it right now sounds <laughs> like a movie yeah but were there clues there to lead you then to your mother within your files so the biggest clue would be getting the city of san vito absolutely um the second would be the details of what it would look like and um what the state recorded, how we get to the shack. That would become very helpful later. later. So we had a couple of days and, uh, and by this time we are really actually from all the things we had to get done and do, we are actually at the um, day before we're going to leave. Um, the next day we would fly out that morning and we would fly back to America. We got up that morning and we knew the city we knew what we were up against. We needed to get answers. Was she alive? Was she still living there? Has she moved? Had she even moved in the city? Sure. Right? Did um? How far but there's was... no address. There's no location. It's just a description. It's just a description. How far was <laughs> San Vito from where you were? Um, quite a ways. We're in San Jose, and so it took hours and hours to drive down there because mm. we are just now driving all the way down, um, hitting practically Panama because it's the last city of Costa wow. Rica before you hit Panama. We uh, had driven in with our rental car, <laughs> and uh, we looked American, <laughs> but uh, we were both, you know, tico tica there and, and hoping that our people would help us. As we sat there, we looked at each other, and we were like, so how are we doing this? <laughs> <laughs> so we uh, decided that we would start asking my people if they recognized her. Mm. And uh, if they recognized the name, we didn't have a photo. No photo. We had nothing. We had her name only. Of course. Yeah. Just, you know, yell out from your window her name and yeah, people right. will answer. <laughs> right, Wade? Uh, so we rolled down our windows and we did that. We just started asking people. Sure. We went to the next lady uh, and she was beautiful, busy, um, and we stopped her, drove um, po pulled up to her and said, hey, you know, do you, do you know this name? And, and she thought a little bit and she thought, yeah, wait, yeah. Yeah, I, I knew her. I think I seen her a long time ago. So a lot of people have seen my birth mother mm. over the years. Yeah. So come to find out in the papers why it was so important is that my mother was an alcoholic most of my life. Got it. She was a town alcoholic. She also was pregnant every year. She would leave and go to town and it was not with the guy that she was with. And so there was many things um, that the people remembered about my birth mother. And she was very well known in the, in, in, in the city 
They actually, yeah. at one point, the cops said that she had a newspaper article done on her for homeless people. So we we made our way and listened to the, to to these people, uh, to my people, and 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 some of the town people were still saying no, but then we started getting more yeses. I mean, this was taking hours. We yeah. had gotten finally to one of the townspeople that said and directed us, which was a number of hills and mountainous, like, you know, it's almost like hills. They're not like huge mountains, like Utah mountains. Um, but they had directed us to a mountain and said, oh, I believe she's up that mountain. So we yeah. made our way up the mountain, got to the top of the mountain. And it, take a long, it took a long time. Wade looked at me at some point and he said, he gave me that look. I hated this look. Oh, I, I, I always hated this look. He looked at me like, when you know there's not enough time or when something's not going to happen, like, Anna, if it gets dark, we have to go back. Like, there's yeah. only so much we can do. To be honest, to be safe, we have to leave before it's dark. Mm. We cannot be going down this mountain with the potholes sucking half our car up yeah. in the pitch dark. So we get to the top. It's getting dark. And we have about 15 minutes. And he's like, we're going to get to the top. And then we're going to turn around. And we're going to go back down. And I'm like, no, no, let's not go to the top. and Let's not go back down. Because I knew what back down meant. It meant we leave. Yeah, it's over. So we go to the top. And he's like turning around. No one has told us to get off the mountain, to veer off, to to, to find a specific spot. We're, we're on the right mountain. We're, we're really close. I, I know we're close. But there's no one telling us to turn somewhere. So we have to turn around. Okay. So we turn around. And on the driver's side of Wade driving, he sees a man, a farmer. And he says, I'm going to ask this man. So he rolls down his window and says, hey, we're heading back. We've been looking for hours. Is there any way you know this lady named Florida Mena Hidalgo? This is her mother. And he looks at us and he's like, actually, I just saw her a couple hours ago. Yeah. Oh, she was here. Oh, my gosh. And Wade and I look at each other. We're like, she's alive. And he looks at us again. He goes, oh, yeah. You know, she lives just down there. And we're like, down where? And he's like, right there. The path is right there. Right by our car. And he's like, no just way. turn down. You walk down. You can't drive. You have to park your car. And you have to walk down the rocks. You go the rest of the path. And eventually, it'll open up to this grassy area. And there's, there's some shacks down there. Okay, so we hop out of the car. We don't care about car. We go down these rocks. This is what's telling about order in all things, especially order in miracles. Is from the papers, remember how I had mentioned that the description was told by the state. Mm. As we're making our way down the rocks, past the rocks, the description of my records begins. Just like it was written in the records. And in the records it says... The grass will open up, and there you'll see the shack. We had walked that exact, exact design, exact picture, mm. just like it was recorded. And wow. we knew where to go because it, we had already read it. Now we just need to know, is she still here? Remember, the guy said a couple yeah, hours ago. a couple ago, hours ago, sure. He said, okay, now I'm going to go look because I don't know her state. Remember, we learned some things about her. We also learned that she had a mental condition she had actually put herself in a mental hospital for five years and she was not she was uh diagnosed with schizophrenia mm. and so she's in fragile state yeah and we're sure. just gonna pop up and 
show her like, hi. So he's like, I need to make sure who is she with? What men is she with? Who is she okay? Yeah, what does she look like? Dangerous. I don't want you to freak sure. out, right? What I didn't know is she was only a few feet away. Mm. So he walks, he comes back. And his eyes look like they're going to pop out of his head. <laughs> it's like, what? And his mouth and jaw are like hugely open. Oh my gosh, she's there. I just want to let you know, Anna, you need to pause and just know that you're making a, a decision right now. Yeah, this is a and big I said, step. Yeah, I know. And I'm just shaking, almost want to faint. <clears throat> and I get this very strong impression that we have to kneel down and pray. And so... Wade and I pray and he's and then we get up and Wade looks at me and he goes okay you need to make the decision I'll go forward I will be I'll stand behind you I don't want to go first and he's like okay just stand behind me you're gonna be fine so I stood behind him what was really interesting what was really interesting Sean is that as I'm standing by behind him I feel like I am becoming this small little three-year-old my child and I'm like scared but excited mom am i going home and i just was so like i hid behind him like a little kid and i stepped to the side and i put my head out and i look i had had one last prayer that i asked god that was really important to me and my prayer was that i would know my mom when i saw her because she would look exactly like me mm. And when I looked at my mom, I got my answer. Mm. And my mom looked exactly like me. I had returned home and I had found my birth mother. So what do you say? What's the first thing? <laughs> I mean, did you just call out her name? Well, I stood there and my birth mother looked back at me. I didn't call out her name. She, she called out my name. Really? She called out my little sister's name. And she called out my biological brother's name. She knew her children. I had less than five minutes to be with her. And Wade looked at me and turned to her and he said, This is your daughter. Anna Katya's back. We don't we're not here to scare you. Cause she was she she was pretty scared. Of course. She's going in and out of she thought we were the state, and then she knew who I was, and she'd call my name. And then she thought we were the, I was the state. So you could tell there was a mental condition. And so he's like, we need to be really fragile. And I said, I know. So he looked at her, and he said, just kind of whispered, tender, just, hey, so do you, do you want to give your daughter a hug? You can give her a hug. <clears throat> and I was looking at her, and, and she, she just shook her head a little bit, and she's like, no, no. No, no hugs. And Wade translated back, no hug. That was really, really hard to take in. That, yeah. was, that was hard. That hurt. That hurt. And then Wade said, uh, a picture? Can we get a photo? You know, a picture? Just one. And she looked back at Wade and she said, no. And she said, a picture has a thousand words. And you cannot have a picture of me. He, she won't take a picture, Anna. But um, I'll see if I can sneak one. <laughs> so we did We did sneak one. It was very dark. So the picture I have is very dark. And <clears throat> you'll notice that in the book. As I've told this hundreds of times, it was 
so much and my heart was so full and I got all my answers. But what I've always known is when I was standing there, there was a part in my heart that was, um, it wasn't healed. It was hurting. And um, it hurt really bad. And I was mad and I was, um, I had resentment. I didn't know. I had resentment because my birth mother, uh, I wasn't with her. Um, it was a big shock. Everything's hitting me now, right? All the information, her life, who she really is. It's nothing I can imagine. My life's nothing, nothing that I can imagine. And I'm living. The Lord literally saved my life. And I'm strong and well taken care of in America. It just all hit me. And I know I was just so frustrated. And so I had this space in my heart that had this resentment. And something, and, and then something next happened that was miraculous. I looked down and my mother, my birth mother had stepped closer to me. And when I looked down, she had something in her hands. And there in her hand, she was holding a cucumber. <laughs> yeah, I didn't expect that. I really didn't expect that. I didn't either. <laughs> a cucumber? What the heck? <laughs> There's such a buildup. I'm expecting this like old photo or something, but a cucumber. Me okay. too. All I was right. expecting something big too. <laughs> what in the world? I'm looking at Wade and going, what in the world am I going to do with the cucumber? Like, what do you even? He's looking at me like, just take the cucumber. I looked at that cucumber. It, it, it was just, my mind went everywhere. And, 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 and then something happened. Um, a clarity came to me that I had never, ever felt in my entire life. Mm. And it washed over me. And the words came to me as loud as thunder. Very clear. And it said, Anna, your birth mother is giving you everything she has. Mm. And I realized that cucumber was all that she had. The records had been right. And the records showed that uh, in the shack... Even to this day when I returned, there was only one pair of shoes. There's only a handful of coals in one cot. The dress she was wearing was the only dress she owned. And I would not be surprised that the cucumber she was holding was probably the only food that she had. Because Wade had already looked in the shack. And it was the same circumstances, which closes this journey miraculously. But uh, the last answer that came to me was, Anna, because your birth mother is worthy. She's given everything that she has. She's shown up in her moment when you returned. She's worthy of that. And because she's of worth, you're of worth. And you're enough. Hmm. Your journey's end, and you can go home and go on with your life and live it. You're done. And how amazing. It happened. 
So you've taken this experience, you've put it into a book. Talk about the book. I have, yes. Uh, I was excited because it had 14 days, right? Why, why not name it 14 days? Right now, what we're asking is if people can go visit the adoptedforchange.com yeah. website. It's adopted the number four. The number four, change. adopted for yeah. change. They can go to uh, the products and then there, um, if you put in your email or s- send a message through Facebook, um, we can get you on our email list. And we're just keeping the, the email list so that when that the ebook and uh, it goes online, that those are the people that get it first so awesome. and get notified. But yeah, Super cool. there is a paperback if you are interested that we can get to in, you know, in Utah. Such a beautiful story. And I have to tie us back because here we are in our episodes 160s. Uh, you run around town with a couple of my favorite people. If people <laughs> were to go back to episode six, which I still can't believe, we're on in the 160s. And episode six was Kels Goodman. Mm-hmm. And you and Stephanie are very, very dear friends. Stephanie, uh-huh. one of the coolest people I know. Yes. And so you definitely hang out with good quality people. We're going to wrap things up with the question that we ask all of our guests, and that's, Anna, what does being a member of the church mean to you? Really for me, my life right now is taking on the name of Christ, mm. really, really wearing that name, and, and, and studying the life of Christ. How can I emulate that, and how can I really carry His Spirit and, and His mission, and to also let others know that uh, the love of his his children is great and that he loves every one of us, no matter what we've done and where we've been, um, what we've experienced or what we're going to experience. Um, and that just being a member really helps to build um, that truth in us and to know that we have a purpose and that we're children of God and there is a plan. She is an author now. She <laughs> is a mother And she is a beautiful daughter of God who's been on an incredible journey through life. Anna Katya, thank you so much for sharing your Latter-day Life with us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's been so great to be here. And my special thanks to my friend Anna Katya. I just love her story. I love her energy and her spirit. And I'm so grateful that she's out sharing this beautiful story of faith Uh, This week in my Latter-day life, as I thought about uh, Anna, and I thought, what an amazing journey she had. Uh, You know, we've had some interesting journeys when it comes to children of our own, being on the other side, being the parent, not the child. And I've mentioned before uh, that I have uh, six adopted children, two biological children. And in fact, my three daughters, my beautiful daughters, Uh, agreed a couple of years back to be on an episode uh, of Latter-day Lives. So if you want to hear about their lives, you can go back. And and one of those daughters is my daughter, Portia. And I just thought I'd share how we ended up coming together. Uh, I was sitting in church one day, and there was a speaker who was speaking, and he said uh, that those of us who can afford to help others, and he was specifically talking about family, He said, we are called to do so. When he said we are called to do so, uh, immediately I heard the Spirit say to me, and it was a voice, it was an absolute clear voice that said, you will adopt a teenage daughter. Well, this was quite surprising to me. It was nowhere near my radar. 
and I was shocked. And I got home and I wasn't sure how to break it to my wife that I had been told this. Now, mind you, we had already adopted a couple of kids, but they were younger kids. I mean, adopting a teenage daughter was so far away from what anything I had thought of. And I went home and I told my wife and uh, was expecting her to be in shock. And she said, yeah, I know. I've been thinking that lately too. And this just floored me. And so we went to work trying to figure out what this all meant. We put ourselves up as available to the state. Um, And there are sadly a lot of teenagers uh, who need to be adopted. And understandably, a lot of families are looking for younger children. But what a blessing it was for us to start this process with the state. And so the state, the way they would do it is they would call us up and they'd say, hey, we have this young lady and here's what she's all about. And they'd kind of tell us about her. If we were interested in knowing more, we would go down to the state building. They had binders with information about the kids and we'd flip through it. And this is going to sound really funny, but it's totally true. They would call and they'd say, we have a young lady whose name is whatever, Lisa or Jenny or whatever it was. And as soon as they'd say the name, I'd go, no, that's not her. I knew who she was supposed to be. I didn't know the name, but I knew what it wasn't. But we diligently prayed and we went down and looked at some of the information from time to time. And then one day I was at work and my wife called me up and she said, hey, there's a, another teenage girl they'd like us to consider. And we had already been through several at this point, And my wife said, her name is Portia. And I said, that's her. And my wife said, yeah, I know. And we knew even though we hadn't met her. And so we went and looked at her files and I just knew for sure that was our daughter. And uh, we set up our first visit. She came over to the house with her social worker. She was uh, 14, 13 or 14 at the time. And she was so shy. Portia has been through a lot of rough things in her life. Her life has not been remotely easy. And she came in, she wouldn't even make eye contact with us. But the minute I saw her, I knew that that was our daughter. And Through a a series of amazing events, uh, Portia became our foster child, and then later uh, we were able to adopt her, and then we were sealed together uh, in the temple. And Portia has been a great blessing in my life. Next month, she'll be 30 years old, and uh, she has beaten the odds that were stacked against her in life and has turned into such an amazing, amazing young woman, and I could not be prouder to be her father. And I will just tell you that I am her father, and my wife Vanessa is her mother. And we came about her a different way, and we love her birth parents. We've gotten to meet both of them. We respect them. We love them. There were circumstances that made it so that she couldn't stay with them, but we were so grateful to have her. And I still go on vacations from time to time with Portia. She loves Disneyland and Disney World like I do. And fortunately, she just lives 45 minutes up the road in Salt Lake. And I'm so grateful for her. I'm just grateful, grateful for the gospel, grateful for the Holy Ghost that told Anna where to go to finally meet her birth mother, that that bond was there and that led us to Portia at such a a critical time. 
I'm just grateful for family. It is so important. It means so much. And Anna's family maybe doesn't look like everybody else's, neither does mine, but neither do most families. To say it's a typical family, I mean, every family has a lot going on, but what a special, special thing family is, and I certainly wouldn't want to be without it. And that's what's happening this week in my Latter-day life. Thank you so much for tuning in. We sure appreciate it. If you enjoy the show, boy, these five-star reviews sure do help us, and we're very grateful for them. Uh, If you're not following us on social media, we'd love to have you join us there. We're on Facebook as well as Instagram. Just search for Latter-day Lives. You can reach out to me there, or I can be reached by email at sean at latterdaylives.com. That's S-H-A-W-N at latterdaylives.com. I think that's about all we got for you this week. So until we meet again, there is a great big beautiful world out there. So go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 